You are listening to the Commerce Insights with Woman podcast, where inspiring industry experts share their experiences and insights with us. We are here to bust the myth that commerce is complex, dull, and difficult. I am your host, Jacinda. Let's make commerce easy and exciting together. So welcome to another episode of Commerce Insights podcast. Today with me, I have two gentlemen, Tim Richardson from UK and Hein Hubert from UK as well. Uh, so, uh, Tim, uh, warmly welcome to our, our podcast. You're founder of Furnish Studios to our uh, weekly podcast. And kindly, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who are you and what's your background? Yeah, sure thing. Thanks so much for having me. So yeah, I'm the founder of Fern Studios. Fern Studios is a growth agency for agencies. So we work with um, agencies kind of across the digital landscape, but primarily product studios, Shopify agencies and headless agencies to help them with their growth strategy and implementation, their own growth. I also have a bit of a, I suppose, media arm to the business and that is Your Basket is Empty. Some people might be familiar with that podcast. Uh, that podcast is now both a podcast and a newsletter. The podcast is pivoting slightly in 2023, and I'm going to be focusing on agencies only. So I'm going to be talking to agency founders and operators and agency adjacent folks, and it's going to be the number one place in the world to learn all about how agencies scale and grow. And then the newsletter is an industry newsletter um, where I interview kind of e-com original thinkers. We talk about interesting DC and e-com news. Um, there's uh, a job listing and events listing and a playlist and that'll be coming out twice a month so the pod comes out twice a month and so does the newsletter that's me fantastic thanks tim um really nice to have you before we jump into your views of the uk market and market expansion in general um having worked for you for many years i know that you are very passionate about new developments in the commerce space so i wanted to just um see what you make of the recent announcement by Shopify launching commerce components. Is it something that enterprise merchants should be looking into? Is it uh, as an alternative to commerce tools or is it just a clever marketing tactic? What do you think? <laughs> Potentially all three, maybe the latter. Uh, first off, I think it's an interesting move by Shopify. So I'm bullish on them entering the enterprise space. Uh, and that is because I think there's a lot of room for a platform like Shopify to grow within that space. However, getting back to your point about it being a bit of a marketing play, I suppose my sense is that number of the number of merchants on Shopify who would actually use those sorts of features is relatively low. So is it a bit of a marketing hedge against the Mark Alliance and commerce tools? Um, and if so, and it you know means that they can even a small percentage of merchants don't move away into that world and stay in Shopify. And if there's a small number of merchants that haven't already, you know, uh, gone into the Shopify ecosystem and looking at commerce tools and sort of the Mark Alliance and they manage to sort of like acquire them, then maybe it's not a bad move. Um, but yeah, I think Shopify, and there's loads of people talking about this on, on LinkedIn, may have a, a slight identity challenge with this new rollout. It's like, who, who are they for? I mean, they talk a lot about empowering, you know, entrepreneurs, so where does a $500 million, whatever, you know, uh, GMV customer fit into that mix? And how do you talk to them? It's a very, very different type of person. Um, so uh, I, to round it out, I think it's an interesting move and I'm excited to see where it goes. That would be my diplomatic answer. 
Thank you. That was really, really interesting. And I just noticed myself when I'm looking at Google searches, people have been now searching for composable commerce more than ever. So it's at least been trending a lot in, in the media and everybody mm -hmm. working in the industry are like keen to understand that what does it actually mean? Um, well, then moving on to the actual topic of the day, sort of like D2C brands expanding, especially to the UK market. So many Northern European brands are looking for international expansion, um, especially the, the hottest brands here in Nordics are talking a lot about UK. Um, quite many have been expanding to US or then some have, uh, have decided that it's a too risky of a move and now they are looking at UK instead. Um, so what would be your, what are your thoughts? Is now a good time to expand it into the UK or what do you think? <laughs> well, it's a very good question, I think, given the slight volatility of uh, the UK political and economic market. Um, I, I think it's curious that you say that some of those brands have found it maybe slightly more challenging going to the US and, and I'd, be, I'd be very interested in learning why because anecdotally I would have thought due to Brexit and some of the sort of general volatility here that US might be favorable to the UK but it's interesting that that's, um, that's where some of these brands are landing. My sense is that the Nordics generally uh, is home to a lot of premium brands. So I think if one is targeting a premium customer um, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're going to be less affected by the cost of living crisis, in which case taking Brexit out of the equation, which I appreciate is kind of difficult. <laughs> I'd say, yes, the UK is an interesting and probably useful uh, market to at least explore and target. It's still the sixth largest economy in the world. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what the exact current rankings are. Uh, there's lots of high income earners, good digital adoption. And generally speaking, I think Nordic brands historically have done quite well here. There's kind of like an interesting aura around them. So some brands that I follow and I think are good that have got a decent UK presence. Someone like Tekla, Panamal Studios, Totem, Asket, uh, Norse Projects, etc. So uh, to round it out, whilst there is volatility, I think if you're in that kind of premium space, then the UK market is probably not a bad space to be spending some time. Very interesting. And Tim, um, let's say, for instance, you speak to a friend who runs their own brand and that's thinking of entering a new market. What are the things that they should consider and pay very close attention to, um, specifically in the first, I would say, months or quarters after launching in the new market? What would your advice be to them? Before they get in, and this is like, you know, 101, super basic, but I think we should mention it, is like, make sure they've done their research. Um, really understand the market, understand the kind of like personas within the market, understand that there's differences and similarities probably between the Nordic and the UK market. Um, so making sure that they've like really mapped and got a very good understanding of their ICP and personas uh, is super, super important before you even consider entering a market. And I'll say as a side note, this is like <laughs> important for any type of business, not just an econ business. However, some things that they could do within that kind of first initial stage, I would say or I'd argue that like having some sort of physical presence is probably not a bad idea. Now, obviously that can be relatively um, capital intensive if you're doing your own store, but so some sort of like short-term thing, like a pop-up could be an interesting concept um, or go through a retail partner. Um, someone like uh, I'll give a shout out to Ray, the store, um, which is a highly curated physical kind of pop-up of multiple brands coming into one space in cool locations across London is a really good way for uh, especially smaller brands to enter into a market in a physical way in a relatively low cost um, but high impact um, kind of uh, strategy. Um, and I think that the advantage of being in that kind of like physical space um, 
uh, is that they're going to get closer to the customer uh, and it'll just only enhance their kind of like their market research on what the, the sort of like local customer looks like. Failing a pop-up, um, I think like, collaborating with UK-based partners, and these partners could be retail partners, wholesale partners, but, uh, you know, content creators and kind of brand partners, I, I think is an interesting move as well. Um, the ease at which a brand can sort of engage with content creators and brand partners is so low. Um, and again, it's relatively low effort versus potentially high impact. You can piggyback off that partner audience. Um, so that's kind of like a general kind of like brand sort of like uh, early stage things to consider a slightly more technical thing that i think some brands might not necessarily think about as an early stage thing is things like inventory making sure that you've got stock if you enter into a new market and you can't get products to people because you've got a shitty back office setup or you know you haven't got the right integrations working then that's going to mean that the customer experience is really bad and you're going to have a really bad time and then on top of that i think and this is a more general comment excellent end-to-end user experience across the entire e-com journey that your customers will, will, will go on is a, a high priority for anyone in any market but i certainly think so as you're entering into a new market that's super interesting. And thanks, Tim. You pointed out actually one really interesting Panto team that is actually a brand that Shopify Plus is, is advertising themselves and pushing a lot that they have done extremely well. And to the listeners, it's like a Swedish luxury brand uh, that has that has like managed to expand really well. But if we turn the table around and, and we are looking at, at the British brands, best British like D2C brands, which would you point out? Where should like Nordic or European uh, brands follow? Which are the names that are hot on your table and which are the <laughs> ones that are good examples? So please share it with with our listeners. Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I, I'm going to be slightly biased because a lot of these people I know and I just think they're amazing people and operators. Um, so uh, Chili's Bottles, um, shout out to my client, Rotate Agency, who have developed their site. I think they're a really cool and interesting brand. Uh, slightly more legacy brand called Toast. Um, shout out to my old agency, We Make Websites. We built their first, or we migrated them over from Magento um, a few years ago. They're an excellent brand. I really like the story, great founder, origins, etc. Uh, Tom at the brand Cubits. Uh, they're an eyewear brand and they really do a fantastic job of mixing like online and offline experiences. Um, Unfabled, uh, they are a platform for um, period care, uh, I believe like the world's first. Um, and Hannah who like uh, runs that is an amazing, amazing person. Excellent, excellent brand. The guys at, at Heights, uh, supplement brand, they're doing some really cool stuff. And somebody that uh, I had been following for a while and I recently had on my podcast is Matt from the brand Fussy. So they do uh, eco-friendly deodorant, subscription-based. Uh, and he was one of the most interesting people I'd talked to in a very long time. So I would highly recommend people going and checking out those brands. Of course, there are a zillion others. And I think probably if you're looking at the UK market, it's hard to um, get around some of the the, the big D2C uh, dogs of the last <laughs> few years, the darlings like the Gymsharks and the Hules. But I think they're in a bit of a, a different stratosphere from from some of the brands that I, I mentioned before. They're in that kind of like growth stage. And I think that's potentially one of the most exciting um, times for brands. And I think uh, Nordic brands would get a lot of following the ones that I mentioned at the start of this. Question. Super. So please uh, check those out. And I, I myself re- remember Chili's Puddles really well. Back in 2016, I think they were like the number one British brand. What they were doing in, in terms of uh, paid acquisition, that was amazing. They used the videos and and, 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 and were like really uh, 
up from there. So really, really good example. Thanks for those. Over to you, Hein. Um, yeah, thanks. Just coming back to, to your comments on the on the point of sales. So we're working with a lot of um, merchants using Shopify point of sale and actually pushing that to some great limits, even to having 50 or 70 um, physical stores. Um, but when talking about the UK market specifically, how important do you see anyone's omni-channel approach here? I mean, the question is almost like, can brands even do international expansion these days without a physical um, presence? So to answer that final piece, I think they can. And Shopify is a great example where you can spin out local stores very easily. It's a great platform for international expansion in a kind of like, let's test out the market type realm. I think once you go fully international and you are a uh, a heavy omni-channel presence type brand, then things start to become a little bit more challenging. But getting back to the original point of like omni-channel, I would say omni-channel, albeit uh, a rather unsexy term, we probably need to rebrand that, I think is uh, something that all brands need to be considering. And I think for direct consumer brands, what's probably changing is that that conversation is happening earlier than what it did in the life cycle of the brand probably like five to 10 years ago, right? They could remain direct consumer um, for a very long time, become very, very successful. So, um, and I think it's interesting to sort of like map out like what does that actually mean? So that could be their own retail experience. So some sort of pop-up experience or their own actual physical retail experience, uh, presence, which obviously comes with, with its own challenges, working with retail partners, selling through marketplaces. And I'm not just talking about Amazon, like curated marketplaces. I think there's a big rise in them. Um, and yeah, I think generally speaking, brands need to be thinking beyond their D2C channel if they, if they want to grow. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned before, like I think international expansion from an omni-channel perspective um, Shopify is a great platform to do that. Um, and if the brand gets traction in a the market, um, then they can spin out new stores or spin out a, a greater sort of like omni-channel presence once they've tested it out using a platform like Shopify. But yeah, I do think it's interesting at the top of the question there about Shopify's move into uh, a more robust POS position and, and brands taking advantage of that. I do think that's super interesting. Great, thanks, Tim. You can you can listen definitely like listeners. You can hear that he's he's done a lot, so that's always always a pleasure. Um, so many great examples. Um, my my question would be pretty pretty tough one. So, do you see the UK market a better fit for these old school like traditional brands that have been or have existed like hundreds or or tens of years, or would it be a better market for these digital native vertical brands? who are doing just like D2C, typically with Shopify Plus or, or similar platform, and who are doing it mainly like online or, or, or if with online, then with your very, very like agile POS setup. Or is it more about the products that they are selling? Does that really matter that what kind of brand it is? And what would be, would be, would, would it be your opinion about the perfect success concept now in 2023? Good question. I would say that we, it would probably need to be thinking about the demographic um, that one is trying to target. So my sense is that potentially an older demographic will favor legacy retailers because they've got the advantage of an existing story and a track record. However, if one is targeting Gen X, millennials or um, Gen Z, then the story might be slightly different. So um, I believe it's Pinterest business insights. I didn't realize Pinterest had a business insights platform, but they do. I was reading something the other day that like 20% of Zoomers are more likely to try a new brand. So again, it depends on the, the, the demographic that you're going after. However, I would argue that 
in either case, if there is a great story, it's new or it's old, the product is sick, and the brand has carefully considered the entire end-to-end user experience of the e-commerce journey or the commerce journey, then there's a high likelihood of success. Of course, there's a number of other factors that go into it, but I think it's a pretty good foundation for success. Thank you, Tim. And uh, we touched up, uh, on this very briefly in the beginning when we talked about the US market, but um, you have a very good perspective, not only on the UK market, but the US market as well through a lot of the work you've been doing through Fern Studios recently. From your perspective, what are the key differences between these markets uh, for growing D2C brands? Is it still a question about either or, or is it a case of both, but with slightly different focus areas? The big differences between the US and the UK market and the reason, well, US is simply just much bigger than the UK. So it's a massive market, a lot of consumers. Um, and one thing I found kind of interesting uh, when I was at We Make Websites, a Shopify Plus agency, we expanded to the U- US market. We found that, uh, and I've got some US clients with Fern Studios, a brand doing kind of like 50 million in the UK online would be kind of on the times as rich list, right? Yet there are loads of 50 million pound or dollar brands in the US that very few people have heard of. So it's just a slightly different dynamic. Everything's just accelerated and amplified. Um, so I would argue that like, you know, if possible, a brand should be considering the US to break into. Um, however, for Nordic brands, and it's interesting you said at the top of the, the discussion here today that um, that they may have been having some challenges breaking into the US market, that there's probably some advantage to the UK purely from a geographic perspective. And I would say because it's closer, therefore, it's probably easier to penetrate, probably lower risk and lower cost. Um, however, I would say if you're a highly ambitious brand, it's not a matter of kind of either or. It's probably just a matter of when that you would break into the US market after the UK market. Great. Uh, I think that's also super interesting. And, and thanks for that comment. Finally, how would you like to describe a UK market right now? There's been lots of discussion about inflation, economic uncertainty, and the politics and all of that. How do you see this in the daily life of consumers? Anything that France should be aware of? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. And I find that I'm an interesting person to be here because I'm not a native uh, British person. And I know, Hein, you live here as well, so you might be of of a similar opinion. However, uh, from a macro perspective, I think it's pretty safe to say that things are quite bad on paper, on paper, right? So 13 years of a Tory government, you know, under-investing in public services, Brexit, the pandemic, and then the utter fiasco politically that was Boris Johnson and and Liz Truss last year. I mean, (laughs) if you were to look on paper, the country is in bad shape. And I think one of the symptoms of all of that is kind of what we're experiencing right now in the early part of 2022. And that is kind of general public discontent and strikes, right? So (laughs) the, the picture is not great. But that's at a macro level. My sense is, and some of this is anecdotal, but some of it is like evidence-based, that like if you one delves a little bit deeper onto a micro level, it becomes a little bit more nuanced. So if you're in a high to middle income, oh sorry, middle to high income bracket, um, you're gonna be more cautious over the next while, but I would say you're probably gonna be fine. And when I say more cautious, you're probably more cautious in terms of your spending compared to COVID where you had a huge amount of disposable income and everyone was sitting at home and ordering loads of stuff, right? So, you know, compared to that period, which was extreme growth, it's probably going to be a little bit more cautious on the spending. If you're a lower end, 
of the income spectrum, I think things are going to be really, really tough. Um, and those people will continue to suffer, unfortunately, you know, and that's another podcast, <laughs> the world, the capitalist world and the, the pros and cons of that are, you know, are going to continue on for, for many years to come. So uh, I think my sense is that um, in the e-com world, we live in a bit of a bubble and yes, brands will need to be a bit smarter, but it's compared to the, uh, the highs of the pandemic. So, I think there's still loads of opportunity out there. Two good examples are I was at Oxford Street, which is, you know, the UK or London's premier, you know, retail environment before Christmas. And it was fucking jammed, like jammed. <laughs> so, you, and of course, again, this is a certain demographic that are coming to there and London in itself is, is a slight bubble, but there's a good indication that like spending was probably not as low as what people thought it was going to be. Also, I've been to a bunch of restaurants over the last like three to four months and they've all been packed all been packed so if you take those two examples as representation of consumer spending i think people are still spending but they're probably just going to be a bit more cautious compared to the kind of like last two three years of the hysteria that was COVID. very very good insights tim thanks um thanks for that we have a lot more questions but um we don't have the time so um i know you're a very busy man thank you very much for your time um as always much appreciated any final words from your side or remarks before we close off look i think there's political and economic headwinds in the uk and i painted a rather gloomy picture <laughs> however i'm confident uh that there's still plenty of opportunity here and i'd encourage any brand that's considering coming to the uk obviously to do their research, think about the market, but get immersed in the UK e-com and direct consumer space. To me, it's full of amazing people, tech partners, agencies, etc. And I personally find it a wonderful community to be a uh, community to be a part of. So get amongst it. And that's my final thoughts. Great. Thank you so much, Tim, for today. Thank you, Hi, and wishing you a really nice uh, week and uh, tune in for next episode next week. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It was a pleasure.